So turn in your Bible for tonight's study to Revelation chapter 9. That's where we're going to pick it up. You know, every, every once in a while you come to a lesson series or a, a study series that's it's not always uh, <laughs> um, a feel-good study. And Revelation is one of those. Certainly there's parts of it, chapter 21, chapter 22, when it talks about eternity and heaven and all of that. Some of my most favorite chapters of the Bible because they are the future. They are my hope and what I look forward to uh, when this life ends is to be with Him forever. But um, it also tells us of some things that will take place before that that are not, they're not easy. They're not easy to read. They're not easy to teach. They're not easy to study. They're kind of scary, kind of, um, as I keep saying, kind of trippy, if it, to use that phrase, especially when you get into some of these prophetic teachings that that's, it's hard for us to even envision. And Revelation chapter 8 and chapter 9, those are some of the, uh, the chapters that are most full of it uh, when it comes to that. So, but nevertheless, it's in the Bible, right? And it's written for our learning. It's written for our benefit so that we can uh, know what the future holds and look for it when it comes. So we're right in the middle of the trumpets. Last week we looked at chapter 8 and it talks about the first, second, third, and fourth trumpet and things that will happen. I believe as the fourth seal is unfolding after the Antichrist has come on the scene and he's taken his power and he's, he's brought peace to the world and he's broken that peace and he is making war not only with Israel and with believers or the church, uh, but pretty much with everybody else around him as he just wreaks destruction everywhere. We have this false prophet who is like his right hand, who is uh, enforcing worship of the beast, of the Antichrist. Uh, not only uh, some form of idol worship, but he is in also enforcing this mark, the mark of the beast that we, we talked about. Of course, we're familiar with the number 666, and we discussed what that might mean. Right around that time, in the middle of that time, I believe close to the three and a half, uh, shortly after the three and a half year period, uh, the three and a half year point of this seven year period, God's judgment begins to rain down. This is also a time not only uh, of testing, of, of tribulation, but it is a time that God has his judgment. And we talked about that last time, that he's entitled to it. He has been so good and so merciful to humanity as a whole, even those who don't believe on Him, even those who outright reject Him, He has been good and merciful. That time will end and He will begin to have His judgment. He will begin to have His day. And so we saw some of the things as that begins to unfold. Uh, in the first trumpet there is hail with fire and blood and it takes out one-third of the trees. It takes out all of the grass sets the stage for an environmental night, a nightmare. The second trumpet seems to be this volcanic eruption where a mountain falls into the sea and it destroys one-third of sea life as well as uh, the ships in the sea. We talked about what those different things could mean. Uh, that was from last time. Uh, the third trumpet, this star which has a name called Wormwood Falls and it turns all the fresh water into poison. Uh, rivers and the fountains of water. So you have this situation where there's no fresh water, which would bring death. 
And then the fourth trumpet brings darkness. A third of the night and a third of the day it strikes the sun and the moon. I want to actually take a st- one step back into chapter 8, and we'll start there. Eight, chapter 8 and verse 13 says this, And I beheld and heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth by reason of the other voices of the trumpet of the three angels which are yet to sound. We have this angel uh, proclaiming this message of calamity, of judgment, of sorrow. That's a chance for repentance, actually. It's a proclamation. If you think this is bad, the worst is yet to come. And it's kind of like a wake-up call. Like, hey guys, wake up. Don't you understand what's coming is worse if you think this is bad? It's a chance for repentance. So you think people would listen and pay attention, right? Human nature doesn't do that, do we? Even in sometimes in the worst of times, we still are prideful, we still are self-centered, and we don't turn to God even in the worst of times. So, chapter 9 brings us into trumpets 5 and 6. Psalm 19.1, perhaps you know that by heart, says this, The heavens declare the glory of God. And the firmament shows His handiwork. And it goes on talking about creation. That right now, we could go outside and see the glory of God, can't we? You see it in nature. Romans chapter 1 is, is uh, very clear about that. You see it in all creation, whether it's the animal kingdom or the, the natural kingdom. We clearly see the glory of God. On a, on a dark night, you can see all the stars, and it's amazing. It's very evident. The glory of God is very evident. Well, in this time, with just as much clarity, the heavens are going to declare His wrath and judgment. Right now we see His being. We can even see His grace and His mercy. During the time of the tribulation, the heavens themselves will declare the wrath and judgment of God, which actually is part of His glory, part of His holiness, and it makes His grace and mercy sweeter. So the first four trumpets have dealt with like physical and natural destruction. And like uh, physical or natural means, you got hail and fire and blood and mountains falling into the sea, stars and the sun and moon darkened, very natural, very physical. With the next two trumpets, trumpets five and six, we're going to take a step into the supernatural. If you were to give chapter nine a title... Um, mine just says the fifth trumpet and then the sixth trumpet. A fitting title would be Hell on Earth because that's literally what's going to happen in this chapter with this trumpet number five and trumpet number six. Like I said, not a real feel-good message, but it's something we need to know. So let's walk through some of these verses and see what the Bible says. We'll start with chapter 9, verse 1. It says, And the fifth angel sounded. Now, I didn't, I didn't address this last week, but I often wonder, is this going to be like an audible trumpet? Like, is it going to be something we can hear? So we can count? Like, was that number 5? We're almost there, guys, you know. Or is this like a spiritual thing? I don't know. I, the Bible's not clear about that. But this would be like the ram's horn thing that was blown um, for battles and all of that so this fifth angel sounds and notice what happens the fifth angel sounded and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth and to him was given the key 
of the bottomless pit. So we have a star that's falling again, uh, kind of like trumpet number three, but I think this one's a little bit different. I think this star is a person or a being. And why I say that is it says it was given to him the key of the bottomless pit. Not given to it, it was given to him referencing this star that falls, this being that falls from heaven to earth, and now he is given this key or the authority or the the power over the bottomless pit. Well, what exactly is that bottomless pit? We'll get to that in just a bit, okay? But it's pretty important. So this being now has this key to the bottomless pit. Verse 2, And he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit as the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. So he opens this gate, if you will, and this big billowing smoke just belches out. What's that What's that girl's name who got all up in arms? Greta something? <laughs> she wouldn't like this. This is massive billowing black smoke that comes out and it darkens the day. What comes to mind is uh, pictures or um, footage I saw on 9-11 when the sky was darkened. It was just gray. Everything was gray, partly because of the ash, but because of the air was so full of all of the smoke and all of the, the debris. Um, everything just had a gray cast to it all. And that's what I see. The, the sky being darkened because of this smoke that evidently spreads everywhere, this billowing and belching out of this pit. In addition to trumpet number four, which said the third part of the sun was smitten and the third part of the moon, the third part of the stars, so they, did, so they were darkened. So there's already partial darkness going on and now the sun is darkened because of the smoke of this pit. Night and day are just going to be a difference in gray. It's like when it rains. When you've got a storm here, and when it's day, it's just kind of light gray. And even when it's night, it's not exactly totally black. It's kind of dark, dark gray. That's what I see going on because of the smoke that's just coming out. But that's not all. I feel like the flex tape guy. But wait, there's more. It's not just smoke that comes out. Look at verse 3. There came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth. And unto them was given power, as of the scorpions of the earth have power. Well, if you think these are regular locusts, they're not. They're locusts on crack, basically. You remember the murder hornets that were supposed to overtake us all and kill us all? Those things were like that big, right? (laughs) That'd be like my worst fear, is having a swarm of them come after me. These big old huge bees. Now... Locusts are about that size, if I'm not mistaken. I've seen some pretty big locusts. In fact, I dissected one in high school. It was big enough to cut open and see its insides. In fact, Cynthia was my lab partner. That was in ninth or 10th grade, way back when. But it was, it was enough to creep me out to think this thing was once alive. Can you imagine? Grasshoppers have no rhyme or reason to their existence. So you could walk up and they'll jump on you or they'll jump in the car and fly around. I don't know if you've ever ever had that experience. I can only imagine what it's like with something that big just flying around and and buzzing around. Well, 
These are even worse. These locusts are not like anything you have ever seen because they're supernatural. Look at verse 4. And it was commanded to them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. Usually locusts will come through and strip a field bare. I don't know if any of you have ever seen that um, or heard about it. I've certainly heard of, of swarms coming through. Um, migrating through, and they will just decimate a field. They'll strip it bare to where it's nothing. Um, it's happened in this country. It's happened in other countries. And you have some of these farming villages in other countries that totally depend on that. Their economy is totally toppled because a swarm of insects come through and eat everything. In fact, the book of Joel talks about that and how the Lord was using them for judgment, and it gives different, like the eating locust or the chewing locust or the burrowing one, talking all different forms, how they can go in and just decimate everything. So locusts by themselves are, are uh, a nightmare to agriculture, but these ones care nothing for agriculture. They're here for humans. They're here for humans. Look at their description. Go down to verse 7. And the shapes of the locusts were like unto horses prepared unto battle. I don't know if that's size or just the way they look, but that's a big bug. A horse is huge. Can you imagine swarms of these things that size? Like a horse prepared unto battle. So you've got a horse that has all of its armor on, perhaps even, uh, I don't know what they call it. I used to know what they called it, the the cloth that they would drape down with the standards of the army on, and you'd, you'd put all these things on a horse so it was prepared to battle, so it could ride into battle and sustain some damage at least. Prepared like that. On their heads were, as it were, crowns like gold, and their faces as the faces of men. And they had hair as the hair of women, and their teeth were as the teeth of lions. <laughs> I can't describe it any different than the Bible does. They've got crowns and long hair, and they've got faces, and they've got big, huge teeth, like the teeth of lions. And they had breastplates, as it were, breastplates of iron. And the sound of their wings was as the sound of chariots of many horses running to battle. Now, a swarm of locusts already sounds like that. I don't know if you looked it up. I looked it up, and it's, it's this rumbling, buzzing sound of these thousands if not millions of bugs together. Can you imagine what it would sound like with swarms like this? Verse 10, And they had tails like unto scorpions. And there were stings in their tails, and their power was to hurt men five months. Five months. These are things of nightmares. These are things that you can't even dream up. But yet here, this is what John sees. These beings that come out of this bottomless pit, and they're, like, they're unlike anything he's ever seen before. And I can imagine him sitting there as he sees the vision, trying to write this down. There's something on their head, uh, like a crown. And their hair, they look like they have hair, and they look like they have teeth. I can imagine him trying to write and just astounded by what he sees. 
And they have a sting. They have a weapon. They have a power. Look in verse 5. And it was given to them that they should not kill them, men, but that they should be tormented five months. And their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he striketh a man. Anybody ever been stung by a scorpion here? Ever? You've seen them though, right? Those are another creepy looking bug. My brother lives in Phoenix. And he's got a black light about that big around that he goes out at night and shines on the ground. And those things glow in the black light. I wonder why God made some things that he did. <laughs> Scorpion's up the, is up there on the list like... Why? Because whew, I've seen some in the the ones I've seen in the wild are tiny little things. But I've seen some in the in the zoo or wherever you want to call it, big old huge fat things or a bug show. We went to a bug show, right? Saw them in aquariums. Oh man, can you imagine getting stung by one of those? Well, scorpions look nasty, and so is their sting. There are some scorpions that are so venomous that they can kill. And the venom that they have has effects. Because right here it says, this torment that comes on men for five months who get stung by these things is as the torment of a scorpion. So, you know me, what's a, what's a scorpion sting to you? I looked it up and multiple, like three or four health resources, they all say the same thing. And cause intense pain across the body, numbness at the sting, swelling, Difficulty breathing. Okay, those I've all heard before. Yeah, okay, that sounds like a <laughs> coronavirus. <laughs> yeah, but maybe. Maybe that's where they got it from. But it was, it was the others that started, that, that caught my attention, and I want you to think about that. Muscle thrashing or twitching that can cause over the whole body. Unusual movement of the neck head, and eyes, dribbling and drooling. <laughs> I didn't know there was a medical term that was dribbling. Dribbling or drooling, sweating, nausea, vomiting, accelerated heartbeat, restlessness, excitability, and this, inconsolable crying for five months, 150 days. This would go on. And by the way, that word torment, the Greek word is torture. Their sting brings torture to those who are stung for five months. And it's as when a scorpion stings a man. So if it's anything what I'm thinking of, this is, this is terrible. Your body twitching and you're all out of sorts and intense pain and all of that. For five months? No, this is, not, this is not some light thing. And verse 6 says this, And in those days shall men seek death, and shall not find it, it and shall desire to die, and death shall flee from them. It seems to be the only release, escape from this, would be death. And apparently, there is going to be no escape. Even suicide is not going to be an option or not possible. I don't know, but that's what it says, right? Men are going to desire to die and they don't find it and death will flee from them. They shall seek it. 
This torture is pretty bad. This is absolute torture. Coming because of the sting of these locusts. So what on earth are these things? Because I want to know. I want to stay away from them. Well, their their strange description has led many to speculate that this is some form of modern machinery of war. Most common thing I've heard is this talk about helicopters. Faces of men as one that's in the uh, the window uh, cockpit and uh, the sound and the crown of gold, you know, sometimes helicopters, especially if they've got yellow tips on the rotors, you can see a, a crown and um, these teeth of lions. Some people have even pointed to the P-40 Warhawks in World War II. The, one, the planes with the shark mouth on them. You have all, I've heard all kinds of things. And, and John, is, John is using the comparison of the day. He's writing with things that he knows. So if he sees something like this, he's going to try to pull from what he knows. And this sting or the power that they have is, as some people say, a, a form of chemi- chemical or biological warfare. One that attacks the nervous system and has effects much like the venom of a scorpion, which John would be familiar with. And it could be. It could be. John is trying to describe something modern and using the language of his day. So it sounds really weird because there's no locust like that here on earth. Brother Bob, before I go on. It very well could be. I'm not, I, I don't know. This is prophecy. I can't see the future other than what the Bible says. But I don't believe these locusts are from this earth. Let me just give you my personal opinion. They come out of the bottomless pit. Literally, the abyss. That is mentioned in chapter 17. Uh, uses the same phrase. So if you want to jump over there, in 17 and verse 8, it says this. The beast... We already studied this. We know that that beast is the Antichrist. The beast that thou sawest was and is not and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. Shall ascend out of the bottomless pit. The same Greek word is used by a group of demons named Legion. When Jesus is there and he's, he's casting them out of the, uh, the man who is inhabited by them, they beg uh, they beg the Savior, do not send us back into the deep. Send us into that herd of pigs. That word, the deep, is the same word as bottomless pit, the abyss. So this same abyss is the source of the Antichrist. This same abyss is um, where legion does not want to go back to. I believe this bottomless pit is hell. It's hell. And by the way, these scorpions have a king. Go back to chapter 9. Scorpions. What are they called? Locusts. They have a king. Verse 11. Chapter 9 and verse 11. And they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, and in the Greek tongue hath his name Apollyon. Both Abaddon and Apollyon mean destroyer. He is the angel of the bottomless pit. He is the destroyer. We only see one other mention of that word in the Old Testament, and that's, that's in, uh, um, men- uh, 
in the account of the Passover where they were to put the blood over the doorposts so that the destroyer would not come. So could this be an evil angel that does God's bidding? By the way, Satan's not the king of hell. I don't know where we got that idea. God is the king of hell. All things bow to him. All things, all angels, even demons, instantly do God's bidding at his thought, at his very command. They're not rogue to God. They are under judgment by God. You understand that? They... They made a choice, and it's not like they're defying him and run away. No, they are under judgment, eternal judgment. And God has given Satan and his demons some leeway, but ultimately they only do what he says. So if he says, hey, you, even though you're not one of my good angels, you do this, they do it immediately. So it's not like this, this guy is Satan's right-hand man as the king of hell. No, it could be an evil angel that does God's bidding, but... I don't think it's that. I think this angel is, or this Abaddon, Apollyon, is the same one in verse 1. He says, A star fell from heaven to the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. It sounds a little familiar to me. Like I've heard, of, I've heard that before. So you can turn with me, or you can listen in Isaiah chapter 14. Some of these will be familiar. Got a few more minutes. I want to try to cover this and then we'll be done. Isaiah 14 and chapter 12, verse 12. Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12. Bible says this, How thou art fallen from heaven, O Lucifer. Does anybody know what the definition of Lucifer is? Or the meaning, excuse me, of Lucifer? Day star. Day star. Hmm. How you are fallen, O bright shining star, O day star. Son of the morning, how art thou cut down to the ground which did weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mountain of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. That's talking about Satan, right? Satan thought he would ascend to God's place above all the other stars, above all the other angels of God. And yet what happened? He was cast down, wasn't he? You are fallen. Jesus says in Luke chapter 10, verse 18, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. I watched him fall from heaven like lightning. Now go to Revelation chapter 12. We know that the fall of Satan has already happened, right? That's why we have sin. That's why we have all that's going on and, and the Garden of Eden and all of that. And that's why man needs to be saved because Satan has brought sin into this world we have followed the same path and now we're under the same judgment. Sometime before the world was created, Satan fell. But I want you to see what Revelation chapter 12 says. Verse 1, And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. This is speaking of Israel. 
we, I've already mentioned this. We're going to get back to Israel and her place in all of this, okay? And she being with child cried, travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man-child. This is speaking about Christ now. Christ was born of the seed of Israel, who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and to his throne, right? The ascension of Christ. Christ did his work, is caught up to the throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she hath a place prepared of God that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and threescore days. Again, a lot going on with Israel and her place. We'll get to that at a later study. But did you see what I was talking about? That great red dragon? And it talks about his tail drawing the third part of the stars of heaven. Evidently, when he fell the first time, like we read about in Isaiah, a third of the angels went with him. Maybe they made the same choice. Maybe he took them with him. I don't know the specifics. All I know is what the Bible says right here. His tail drew a third part of the stars of heaven. Now, that's already happened. Let's keep reading. Verse 7, And there was war in heaven. This is future. There was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels. This is celestial war. We often talk about the struggle going on around us. Uh, Paul talks about it, that there's principalities, rulers of darkness, and we battle, we wrestle against them, right? There is very evidently a spiritual battle going on all the time. Just look at the news, look at the politics. All of that is not just left versus right. It's good versus evil. It's a spiritual battle, right? But we can't see it. I can only imagine what this is going to be like because this is, this is above and beyond all of that. This is Michael and his angels against Satan and his. This is a full-out war that happens. Which, by the way, trumpet one two, three, and four could be like fallout from that happening. you got things falling from heaven and hail and fire and blood and a mountain and a star and the sun is darkened. Could that be a result of this massive war that's going on? This is Michael, the archangel, who evidently is ahead of the army of heaven. <laughs> I love it when I when I see people on YouTube or I hear people talk about, I'm going to bind Satan. I'm going to, I'm going to fight against Satan. You don't fight against Satan. You don't bind Satan. We don't have that power. We resist him through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is Michael, the greatest angel, fighting against Lucifer, the fallen angel, and his forces course we know who wins right verse 8 and prevailed not the dragon and his angels prevailed not neither was their place found anymore in heaven you see that they're kicked out i thought that already happened well we know by reading the bible that satan still has access to heaven today what book would lead me allow would lead me to think that 
Job. Job. Because he goes um, to and fro on the earth, and then he goes to heaven, and he accuses Job before God, right? Right? In fact, we can look and say, oh, maybe Satan's here, or maybe Satan's there. You know where Satan's at most of the time? He's in heaven, accusing. That's what, his, that's what Satan means, the accuser. He's up there most of the time, accusing us. And by the way, we have Jesus Christ, who is our advocate, the Bible says. We have the accuser, and we have our advocate. Um, evidently, that's going to stop. There's no more place. The war happens. His place is found no more. Verse 9, And that great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceived the whole world. And he was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Again, we look back and we say, Well, didn't that already happen? There's a war that's going to happen, and fully and finally they are now cut off from access to heaven. Look at verse 12. Therefore rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. For the devil is come down to you having great wrath because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. Satan is cast out of heaven. He knows he has just a short time left and he's going to destroy all that he can. Now back to chapter 9. So he is allowed some leeway. He's given a key, by the way, I believe that Abaddon and Apollyon, I believe that's talking of Satan. He is the angel that has fallen from heaven to earth, and he is the king over these locusts, the angel of the bottomless pit, and he has allowed some leeway. And he un unlocks this abyss. Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 4 says this, Speaking of God, For God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. That word hell is different than it's used in other places. The word here is Tartarus, which means the deepest abyss of hell. I believe this bottomless pit that is unlocked is this very thing that Peter is talking about here in 2 Peter chapter 2. And these angels that have been locked up for some time unto judgment, I think they're let loose. I don't think these locusts are bugs. I think they're demons. Evil angels. Demonic, act, demonic activity on earth is not new. It's always been here. Again, we talked about earth being a battleground for spiritual forces, good versus evil. Though we can't see it, it's going on all the time. They, the Bible talks about things that we have named guardian angels. He shall send his angels to keep watch over thee. And I believe, I believe we have guardian angels. There's... Somebody or someone God has assigned to me, I don't know whether it's assigned personally, or He has His angels watching over me, God bless them, because they keep me safe through so many things. But if that's true, wouldn't it also be true that there are demons who would seek to destroy us? This battle goes on all the time, and we can't see it. Much of it is hidden. Um, the book of Daniel talks about that. That Daniel prays, 
Then Gabriel comes to him and says, Hey, I would have I been here with an answer sooner. But he says, The prince of Persia withstood me, and Michael had to come help me. That's, we don't have time. We're almost done. That's a spiritual battle, something that's going on. We just can't see it. It was strong at the time of Christ. It manifests itself in demonic possession. And by the way, he totally obliterated that, right? Even today, we hear of strange things in far-off places. But most of the time, we hear it and we dismiss it, don't we? In America, we slap a name of a disease on it and medicate it away, I think, half the time. Schizophrenia, things of that nature. There could be a problem, but there could be a deeper spiritual problem going on too. That's all I'm saying. We're quick to diagnose it away. All of that said, it shouldn't surprise us, demonic activity on the earth. Here at this time, as, at the, as the age of the earth is ending, it's going to return. What happens in trumpet number five? I believe hell is opened. The spiritual realm is no longer hidden. I believe these locusts are demons. And the restraint is lifted. You realize up to this point there has been a staying hand. We'll probably touch on this in the beginning of next week. But 2 Thessalonians talks about God's Holy Spirit restraining evil. And that evil, even speaking specifically of the Antichrist, will be kept in restraint until the restraint is taken out of the way. Even Satan is held in check by God. Job. Touch this, not that. Touch his body, don't take his life. You can only do what I say. And up to now, we've, we've only dealt with man's fallen nature, which is bad enough, but now there's going to be actual destruction from the forces of hell. Hell is opened up. You've got demons running around wreaking havoc. Sounds pretty scary, right? My answer to that is, nah, it don't bother me none. You know why I say that? Chapter 9 of Revelation, verse 4. It was commanded then that she should not hurt the grass of the earth, nor any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. You know what the command is? Don't touch my people. You can unlock hell. You can let your demons go. And they may have Satan as their king, but Satan and the whole demon force do exactly as God says or, who, or as He does not say. And that very God is my king and my father, and He says, you don't touch them. You do not touch my people. Hell itself cannot touch us and will hold no power over us. Sounds scary, but if we're right, fifth trumpet doesn't even touch us. It goes after those who have the seal of the beast, the mark of the beast. So one woe, one calamity is down, and there are two more to go. So we'll end our study there uh, for tonight again. Kind of a lot to process, but the good news is in, is in it. If we are right with God, we are protected through us through this, as a lot of things we'll see in this book. So I uh, pray it's been helpful. And.
For those tuning in, we'll see you Sunday at 10 a.m. Any questions? Yes. Yes, I, I think people will be saved. Um, to what extent, I don't know. I was even wondering uh, as I'm reading this. Okay, so this is going to be affecting those who do not believe. What are the believers going to do while this is going on? Like sit back and say, ha, ha, ha. Or are they still running um, from the Antichrist? Or are they going to try to minister to some of these people? I, I don't know. Much of it remains to be seen. Uh, but yes, I believe they will. there will be those who are saved. There's going to be uh, two individuals called the two witnesses um, who will be preaching for quite a bit of period of this time and their ministry will be effective. Uh, so yeah, even though there's destruction going on and God's judgment pouring out, there's still going to be people coming to Christ. Um, the people who are getting killed, no, and the locusts, no. It seems to be judgment for rejection. Um, There, that, <clears throat> I say yes and I say no. There's going to be a lot who will perish, but there's, they're going to be protected as a nation too. And actually, trumpet number six will get into some of that uh, with this ungodly amount of soldiers that are released, 200 million army strong. And it talks about Israel as being a focus, initial focus of that army, so... Any other questions or comments? It's good to see everyone. It's been a crazy week so far. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure people are going to be looking back on better days. I, th I think it'll be bittersweet. It'll be hard. But I think... For those who have discernment, there's going to be that realization like, hey, we're almost there to the end of the Bible, to everything the Bible's ever talked about. And I think that that um, excitement or hope is going to overtake uh, to actually, I don't, I, will this happen in our lifetime? I don't know. I think every generation says that when things go bad. I don't know. Maybe. Could. I hope it... <laughs> Is it bad to say that? We're not on camera, right? I hope it doesn't because it's scary and it's hard, but I hope it does because that is that people have been looking to that for thousands of years to see the book of Revelation take place. And we could be on the doorsteps of it and see it take place. Man, what a blessing that would be. We'll see. That's up to the Lord. I remember, I remember thinking, man, I just want to get married first. Let me get me married, and then, then, then come back, Jesus.
And he's like, well, I have kids. It'll be fun to have kids. And I was like, whoa, I got kids. I got a wife. How's this going to affect them? Maybe, maybe till after the kids are grown, before grandkids. I'd <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's just human nature to think like that. I, don't, I hope that's not a sin to think that way. But at the same time, I mean, that's Jesus coming again. That's the fulfillment of all of our, our deepest hopes. And I know God will give grace. So if that happens, we'll see it. We'll see, we'll see it through. He will see us through. Well, I hope you guys have a good rest of the week. And uh, looking forward to Sunday. I want, I'd like to do communion uh, this month sometime. So when we're all together again, let's talk about a date. Take that as a church. So, any last-minute prayer requests? Gage, I have not heard anything, so I haven't seen any updates. I'll I'll reach out to them and see. Not that I've heard. So it's good to see you all. I hope the lesson was a blessing. Let's bow our heads and we'll be dismissed in prayer. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the many blessings and uh, the grace that you've given us, the privilege to come together, uh, to gather around your word and look to see what it says about the future. Lord, help us to have understanding hearts and minds and uh, to trust you in it all and your grace and I just ask that you please um, help us to look around the world in our lives and the relationships that we have, Lord, and seek to share Christ with with others that need Him and so that they may be prepared for the judgment day as well. Please be with us as we go from here and into our lives. Lord, that you watch over us, protect us, guide us through it, and bring us back together safely. I thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus' precious name I pray, amen.